Welcome to the 5G Techvitory podcast, where we will explore the hottest topics in 5G with some of the industry's leading minds. Let's conclude our day by talking about VR, virtual reality, augmented reality, meta-reality, and the whole ecosystem is called XR ecosystem because there are multiple of ways how we are shaping our reality nowadays. Metaverse is uh, becoming a keyword in uh, in uh, our talks with friends, maybe in the kitchen. Should I invest some crypto or not? But that's a different kind of metaverse that's running out of fashion. Um, but let's explore this uh, XR ecosystem about VR and AR. So, what are the regulatory challenges? Uh, what are investors looking at when they look at the cases in this industry? Uh, and what's the climate uh, in this market for investments? So, uh, moderator is going to be Madara Kalninya Kalmale, president for Baltic Chapter VR AR Association. It is. <laughs> so, please welcome. All right then. Um, good evening, everyone. So, XR ecosystem, and uh, okay, there is a state, right? At the very beginning, there is a state and state institution. So, this evening with us is advisor to the president for information and digital policy, Eva Ilves. And uh, in this ecosystem, we need also some private capital injection, of course, to make things happen. So today I invited to join us Petri Rajahalme from Four Ventures, founding partner from Four Ventures from, from Finland. So, and then of course we need entrepreneurs who are ready to jump into this uh, metaverse. So today with us is also a co-founder of Red Frog, Tuoms Jona. And, um, Maybe let's start with a very brief introduction uh, about your backgrounds, basically. Let's start yeah, to understand how long time you've been in this industry. How do you look at this industry? Yeah, your backgrounds. Uh, we have 40 minutes for that, <laughs> jokes aside, very briefly. <laughs> uh, maybe let's start with you, Eva. okay? Yes, uh, I surely could cover all 40 minutes myself <laughs> <laughs> on bio side. <laughs> I've been doing a digital policy for the last decade, uh, mostly started with cybersecurity in Ministry of Defense, as, as many things in digital starts uh, from defense or security angle, and then they kind of uh, move on. Uh, that's where I got uh, first hand on digital, but before that I worked uh, more than a decade, 15 years on foreign security policy and uh, did NATO enlargement, uh, which we now greatly appreciate nowadays. Uh, but also learn what it takes uh, to be defensible and what's, uh, what's when you are secure, when you are small, when nobody is interested in you politically. So um, had quite a bit of background in particular in security, did a little bit of work on human rights and democracy, being based all around the region, different capacities, which I think uh, now when I sum it up in a sense uh, I worked uh, recently, or the last decade, more on digital. 
But with that previous experience of security uh, and democracy and human rights and liberties and all we have, it somehow comes uh, very much together today in technologies and, of course, uh, very much amplifies also with a, with a occurring war or the war next door. So um, that's me in brief. I always feel, as someone who represents public, uh, public sector government in digital topics, are not really very welcome because we are sort of police people. We, kind of, we are the bad ones who are not letting technologies do all the things they want. It's always said, okay, when government comes to table on technology, it's going to ruin everything. <laughs> Nothing good anymore is going to happen. And part of that is my role to sort of keep an eye that the way technology and digital ecosystems develop that they actually do serve interests of people, society, country. But of course, on the other hand, I'm also a big advocate of that, the fact that, uh, that we do innovate and that we develop and that we move on. I hope you really advise to our president to support this industry. <laughs> we, had a we do have a difficult legal argument and that's <laughs> not easy to win. <laughs> that's the state part, which is important. And then comes the private capital into the game. And here I would love to hear, Petri, your background. Um, yeah, thanks for having me, first of all. And nice to see so many people still hanging around here. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so I've been uh, an entrepreneur myself in, in the software industry. And after that stint, uh, ended up on the state side, governmental side as well. So I was working... Um, at Business Finland, which is this governmental agency funding half a billion in innovation yearly uh, to startups, research institutes, universities. I was looking at hundreds of uh, startups in the digital space and end of 15, I ended up seeing quite a lot of VR and AR companies on, on my table. So did a bit of digging around and realized that Finland had this huge talent pool because of the success in the gaming industry um, who were now looking at doing something else with the same engines, Unity, Unreal. Um, so I pushed to, to set up a, a 30 million euro internal program uh, to boost kind of the birth of the ecosystem and, and uh, fund in a non-dilutive way the, the startups working in that field. Um, did that for a couple of years, then um, I was asked to lead Nordic XR Startups, which was uh, a joint venture, strategic joint venture to invest early stage um, with the Nordic scope. Um, it was kind of an accelerator uh, investment company um, hybrid model. Did that for a couple of years, then um, met my, my current partner, um, who's in London, and we, we kind of saw where, or we thought we saw where the, the industry was, was, was going with VR, AR, and the whole um, metaverse trend. So ended up joining forces and founding funding, um, FOV Ventures, which we launched in February. So that's a, a pre-seed and seed stage investment company, that, or VC fund that we're running now. Okay. Great, great to hear. There are funds who look at this industry. And then, of course, in this ecosystem, we need entrepreneurs who are ready to build, develop something. Tom, tell us about your background and why did you choose this industry as such? Yeah, uh, thank you as well for having me here. Uh, that's a good topic why I choose it. Uh, for uh, 
I've never been on the state side, uh, on the opposite of, of you both guys. Uh, more than 20 years in, uh, in business and uh, last couple of years uh, focusing on uh, augmented reality heavily. Uh, worked for a Latvian company producing uh, augmented reality headsets and uh, were communicating with uh, different organizations uh, globally uh, seeing the, the gap there, uh, missing pieces. And uh, that, was, that served as a, as a heavy push actually to uh, jump in my own thing uh, and, and uh, trying to work on, on closing uh, some missing uh, pieces and, and uh, improving, the, improving the process. And uh, also my previous background before that most likely will serve as a, as a good help because uh, I've spent some time working for uh, different organizations, some larger, some smaller. And uh, during the last years, uh, specifically, I see that uh, augmented reality and virtual reality is becoming uh, a sort of uh, piece of daily workflow. Uh, it, can, it can help, it can, it can support, uh, but there is uh, still uh, much things to do, uh, and and of course we cannot uh, move forward with the significant support uh, from from different sides. So, of course, of course. Um, let's take a look back a bit. Uh, XR ecosystem or industry as such, AR, VR was basically already out there 20 years ago and uh, for example the famous Magic Leap, I cannot <laughs> even <laughs> think how it would be without Magic Leap, such a magic, that magic whale which came into the gym and no one even was wearing AR glasses and then this hype arrived uh, up all around the AR industry. And then uh, also my experience showed that there was a huge disappointment at investment side to basically invest money in this industry, right? So Petri, I would like to understand more, how do you look at this industry right now? I understand that there is this belief once again in this industry, right? Uh, yes, uh, yes there with, is. with a small caveat. So um, the it's not really the ecosystem to blame, but it had its part to play, but there was just this uh, hype that built up to, to be too big in kind of 2015, 16, where yes, you had the first kind of uh, Oculus headsets, you had HTC that came with the Vive headsets. Um, you could see the promise of, of that technology, but um, everybody thought that tomorrow everybody will have a headset. So obviously we now know that that didn't happen. Um, so a lot of investors burnt their hands with kind of putting in money um, where, where a lot of them just failed completely uh, due to timing. Um, at Nordic XR Startups, we, again, because of the, the kind of content-driven uh, ecosystem in Finland through gaming, a lot of the earlier investments that were done were um, in gaming studios or, or content-driven um, startups. And because there was no audience for their content, because the, the PC VR install base was fairly limited, um, they weren't able to, to kind of uh, extend their runway enough to see the first wave of uh, standalone headsets. 
And that was obviously a game changer. Um, Meta or Oculus shipping the, the first standalone headsets. The first one already was, was a huge success. Uh, Quest 2 is a, is a magnificent piece of hardware. Um, and we see already the, the upward trend. Um, if you're lucky enough to get access to the store, the, the platform, the, the Oculus official store, uh, I think a third of the titles on that store are already grossing a million revenue plus, mm -hmm. which, which is a good number, considering it's still a, a relatively small um, installed base, even for the, the um, standalone headsets. So <coughs> now, obviously, we saw a bit the, the, the same wave with the whole metaverse um, hype. That was a, a fantastic crash and burn on the, on the crypto side. Um, in an even shorter uh, span of uh, period of, of time. But now what we're banking on is, is kind of this whole technology stack and the, the kind of internet moving into a more 3D space. So whether it's fully immersed with VR or using some kind of augmentation like um, AR or just building these virtual spaces that are cross-platform where you can access them through your desktop, through your mobile or whichever kind of platform or media you want to. So the, the upside is tremendous. It, you still need patience. Um, on the VR side, if I'm sat at a, at a conference in VR, uh, I have a huge headache uh, after I come out of the headset. So form factor is still uh, a big issue. Uh, with AR, the, the technological leaps that need to be taken before we're walking every day with, with glasses on is still like years and years away. But I think we're on a, on a very, very interesting trajectory now. Okay, so what do I hear from you is that it was simply wrong timing for the technology, maybe 10 years back. Right now, the hype is over and now probably the technology will finally reach the market. And uh, Tom, here's the question to you. You've been in this industry for for years, and how do you see, like, you've, you've, you've been working with corporates and uh, startups, and um, what is the feeling right now? How corporates look at the AR or VR? Are they ready to really integrate the technology right now on the spot? Um, yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question, because uh, we might uh, uh, split uh, the corporates as well in, in, uh, in two parts. Um, there are the ones which are looking for the solution uh, for themselves. Uh, and there, uh, uh, the, the interest is, is quite high because uh, they've, uh, they've pointed out some, uh, some problems, some issues for, for themselves. And they, uh, they see that uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, it depends on each company and, and, uh, and the idea they have behind. Uh, it might solve uh, something for them, make something faster, uh, more efficient or, or cheaper or name it as you wish. And uh, then there are those uh, who uh, have the business idea behind it, uh, where the uh, augmented or virtual reality can uh, improve their business, can, can open some, uh, some new use cases, uh, reach, reach new markets, and so on. Uh, the, the ones which ha see the business behind it, uh, I would say they understand that it's something what they need, 
but uh, in many cases uh, they are not uh, ready to adopt it yet because uh, the tricky thing is to find out uh, how you're going to earn it out of it, how you, how you will get the actual money. And uh, it's, it's still in some places in this hype kind of uh, mood as well because uh, they understand they need it, they won't live without it uh, for long anymore. But there still needs to be defined uh, from where the money comes. Uh, but for those who uh, who have uh, the idea for their own uh, problem solving, uh, there uh, there it's uh, probably a bit different story. Uh, their companies are more acceptant. The the other issue which stands there is uh, still. Uh, for some use cases, the devices is not there yet because uh, uh, a lot there is a huge uh, huge uh, offering uh, from from different uh, countries and companies uh, some of them stating that uh, they have uh, like state-of-the-art device but actually never uh, ever produced anything it's only uh, uh, mock-ups and, and and pictures of the of the devices uh, and then uh, there are those which are ac uh, accessible in the market uh, in many cases, the failure comes from uh, the fact that uh, wrong device was chosen for uh, for the wrong purpose. Uh, so, uh, but all up, uh, the interest is there. Not only not only from the from the corporates, also from uh, rather small companies. I would say that's that's the fact right now. Uh, but it needs to be uh, two directional uh, communication in between the ones who are providing the solutions and the ones who are uh, like seeking for them and waiting for them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so industry is partially ready to uptake the, the technology. How ready is the state to support this technology? Are there already some established regulations which we'll have to follow or it's still under development? Eva? So governments and technology, I think uh, there's no sort of specific AR, VR, uh, but my, my major point always is that the rules or the approach uh, that uh, public sector or governments are sort of applying towards technologies, mostly via regulations or by courts, you know, US tend to go through courts, you know, Europe tries to write regulations ahead. Um, the, the principles don't change. Uh, the things, I think, not only AR, VR is probably a specific field, but I think in overall, the hype of technologies uh, is sort of sliding back, not that we don't want to innovate or we don't want to move on, but we have figured out that there are a number of concerns uh, through the first decades that someone has to address, uh, right? And we have discovered security topic as a particularly important. We have discovered uh, privacy, uh, difficulties that we can't solve or you know surveillance of over people and and the use of data you know who owns for whom you know what do they do with those data do they you know do they serve the, the owner of data is who is the owner of data is that a person whose data is used or so all these difficult questions that are not necessarily solved uh, but uh, that you know when you ask whether there is something to watch out for regulation is is basically that all these regulations have struggles the same principles and it doesn't matter what the technology is, whether it's you know, social platform, whether it's a watch, whether it's uh, you know, uh, VR, AR, 
or metaverse or something else that we're going to be building, the same concerns and the same attempts uh, from public segment, uh, these will be uh, sort of one or another way there will be attempts to regulate. But I think the, the positive news, which is not solved part, particularly in Europe, but is a good way in the sense that Europe has discovered uh, that it needs to invest in technologies, also in AR, VR technologies, uh, sort of not to lose a competitive ground on, in, on a globe. And we know that with geopolitical trends, that's where policy comes in, that we don't have this anymore, this one big happy village, uh, one big happy internet. We know that uh, there are sort of a different, whichever way you look, you have, you know, you have Europe, US, or more liberal world, you have China, and now, of course, you have also aggressor state Russia, though maybe not the biggest player in, in technology design. And so Europe understands that it has to build its own capacity, a lot being said about European sovereignty in technologies. And, and I think that's where one of the concerns and also an opportunity is for AR, VR, because right now that is one niche industry which is quite dependent on Asian supplies, you know, be it hardware, be it different other components. And so Europe clearly does not want that to be that way forever. And so I think there is a ways and there are programs and finances that are becoming hopefully more and more available to actually boost up that capacity uh, within Europe, uh, with, with European countries, within companies or, you know, talents. So I think there is an opportunity. But that opportunity goes hand in hand with all the concerns that I mentioned. And so I think solutions that are built now and will be built, will be sort of built in future, will have to start to accommodate and figure out, uh, you know, how to deal with privacy, data, and security and topics. And I think that, that might slow down a little bit, the pace of innovation, but I think on the other way, on the other hand, it's a, it's a good news as for all of us as society. You know, we know how easily that can be abused against our own people. Okay. So let's hope we will not get lost into bureaucracy and all the regulations. Huh? <laughs> and um, all right. Um, Petri, I know before, we, uh, before the panel we talked about companies in which you have been invested. So how many, in how many companies so far you've been invested? So um, Nordic XR Startups, we had a portfolio at, uh, at its peak of 18 companies. Um, <clears throat> some, uh, unfortunately, didn't, didn't succeed. Um, there's 12 active companies. We have had um, one IPO, one secondary sale, and one um, acquisition from a Swedish listed company. Then, um, while we were raising the fund, we did um, almost 10 angel investments, and now we, I was just trying to wire the money to our eighth uh, investment um, in the lobby there. So, okay. who, who calculated? <laughs> um, but it's, I have to say, so um, Nordic XR startups, it was very specifically VR and AR startups. Um, the, during the, the fundraise, our kind of angel portfolio, and now with the fund, there's only one company which is very heavily leaning on the XR side of things, 
um, which is port six, um, Finnish company that's doing kind of the last mile of input. Sorry for interrupting. What is the ticket size which you offer to the new company which so want to build something in ARVR? At pre-seed, we invest 250,000 up to, and seed stage, we invest up to 500,000. Okay, okay, a good beginning. Yeah. <laughs> All right, um, very provocative question from my side. For example, to, to the advisor, to, uh, to the president, Eva, would you be ready to invest in this industry, like by your own, privately? <laughs> Government people are not really good allowed to answer such questions. <laughs> no, they're not really good to accumu accumulate the capital to reinvest somewhere. <laughs> that's a good point, actually. Yeah. But um, I think in general, that's that's where my struggle occasionally is in my sort of double head or more more sort of approaches that um, I do advise actually to. To innovate and try, and we know that through technologies, it's only this trial methodology, right? You know, you iterate, you fail, you improve, and you move on. And without that, we really can't succeed. And so, I'm I'm a great advocate, and it's difficult for government to to stomach it. You know, we always design a plan, and then we want to, you know, we do procurement, and then we buy something, and we, it takes ages, and then it's not relevant for anything anymore. But still, we write a report that it was an outstanding thing, whatever we did. So I'm, I'm advocating for that. <laughs> but I think it, it is difficult. And, and I see, I, I mean, as much as ARVR in my personal life has not played a big role, I'm not missing it. <laughs> and, I'm not, and I haven't figured out what is the problem that that gadget or you know, solution will solve for me. So I think there is a, quite a bit of space for industry to come up with, with these ideas, what is that that that, uh, that thing will solve for me or that thing will solve for society? And maybe for a while it will remain a very specific niche, you know, be it medicine, be it gaming, be it media and entertainment. You know, that's, that's fine too, but, you know, that's a particular. So uh, I'm all for, you know, not, not nothing to invest, but uh, I can put a good word in policy. <laughs> we hope so. <laughs> that's actually that. <laughs> um, a lot of times that's actually an issue that we encounter. Uh, a lot of the startups just have fallen in love with the technology, so with VR and AR. So they come at you with uh, a pitch that is just full of like VR, what, what it, why it's fantastic or what does AR add instead of actually having that as just a medium or a platform it's still fundamentally you need to have uh, a problem that you see in society or in technology that you're trying to solve mm -hmm. and if it happens to be solved in the best way with VR or AR then so be it but that's often what we we encounter is you you come at it with technology first and not the the problem first Tom, is it easy to raise capital in this industry? You as an entrepreneur, young entrepreneur. Hmm? Uh, straightforward answer, no. Uh, and uh, Petri, you just mentioned uh, a good, uh, good point. Uh, many, many companies are going to investors with uh, why this or that is great. And, and uh, specifically also with the VR and AR. 
and and uh, that also is pushing a, somehow a little bit the investors off because uh, in some cases when when the investor hears that it's uh, some some sort of thing around VRAR, uh, the conversation in the very beginning is probably not very open and 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 uh, accepting and warm. Uh, the other thing actually is that um, local investment or, or, or investor environment uh, still also is not very uh, very accepting to, to this particular industry. Uh, there is, I believe, there is a reason why uh, many uh, many VRAR companies uh, are established in uh, in US uh, and and of course much more money there, I believe. Uh, but um, in many cases, there are there are multiple other other reasons as well, and therefore I believe these kind of events also are are uh, very good because, as I mentioned before, uh, the communication must happen both ways, and uh, there need to be communication in between the entrepreneurs and investors. Uh, the government as well needs to be there, uh, and uh, on. What I see the most important is communication in between uh, the company who is working on some sort of solution and uh, the existing or potential customer. Because I've seen uh, many cases where uh, the development happens just based on some sort of idea that it will work and, and it needs to be like this, uh, but it needs to be like this in, in a person's mind who is developing that. And we, when you get through to, to the actual customer, you, you're being pushed off uh, quite easily because that's definitely not what he's expecting to receive. Uh, and if, if there is this uh, two-directional communication, uh, also investors are much more accepting uh, to, to those solutions. Of course, there needs to be also a return on investment and, and you need of to show <laughs> where the money will come from. But yeah, that's a basic thing. So what do I hear is that um, we need some applications, like real applications with added value, yeah? Sure. Not just gaming and entertainment, which is nice, but I guess also like state institutions and others are looking for applications where we can really see the value. Uh, but let's look in other direction. Well, Petri, how many pitches do you see per day? Um, so, so far, I think we're almost up to 500 since... 500 per day, no. No, no since, since we launched in, in Q1. Okay. Which is the craziest idea which you have seen? Can you remember <coughs> some craziest idea about AR, VR and business idea? Um, only like... We we launched in in February, and that was kind of the last peak of the biggest kind of hype around metaverse, and everybody was, was just launching tokens. Um, so we <coughs> the, these tokens were the craziest, were just like based on nothing, based on thin air, like hundreds of millions of valuations, um, and we're building this virtual world where they had no plan of on how they'll get people to to join or stay there but we have this great engine that will create new worlds and we have this token that will just shoot to the moon so 
the crazy valuations that we saw on based on not technology that was being built or even ideas, but just like the hype was a bit tiring. Um, <laughs> so we welcomed the kind of whatever you want to call it, crypto winter or whatever crash of the, the metaverse hype is, is just cleaned up a lot of it. And now it, it makes more sense um, what people are kind of thinking on of, of building. Um, yeah, I don't think, luckily there's been, I uh, haven't been shocked by, by <laughs> any one specific pitch. NFT is good non-fungible tokens, right? It's a good topic here. So um, basically, I'm not sure if everyone knows what is that. So just give you an example that you can buy some virtual shoes and try them out on your avatar and pay not only few hundreds, but even few thousand dollars or euros for those shoes, or you can buy a house in virtual reality and then live uh, in a place where maybe in real life you couldn't afford. So, um, Eva, would you be ready to buy non-fungible token like house in, in, in Miami and uh, for a few millions or billions or whatever? Because it's happening right now. It's not a dream. It's actually a real life. People are spending money to buy NFTs. So. Yeah, I would have to start with my own avatar, so I don't have that yet. So, <laughs> like... Uh, I'm, um, I think I'm more, uh, from my digital work exper experience, I'm actually really interested in those social solutions that solves uh, public problems. And I think society has a lot, actually, if we sort of, if we leave our bubble where we are, you know, techies and where we are experts or we are political elite, when we go to regular people, then they actually do face quite a lot of life, <laughs> life problems, which might not necessarily solve by avatars. So maybe it helps to live in, in it helps to live in some. It, it gets some mental training to live in an illusion and, and improve your mood. But I wanted to mention because you asked uh, Petri about uh, solutions, and I thought, like for example, ex example in Latvia, this we reach, we discussed briefly as we were coming here which is sort of virtual uh, reality solution or idea, I mean, a, a product being in process being built is for autistic children to help because that's kind of safe environment and uh, they find it that they are very responsive and they actually progress much faster. And that's something, you know, it's hard. In Latvia, we struggle. We don't have enough medical support. You don't get those consultations for kids. You can't. These things actually help to solve a real problem. The problem itself is that that's not so easy to scale. It's not easy to get the return of investment. And that's maybe a, another topic for public. That's where government or public money uh, cooperates with private, where you solve this problem, which is not necessarily easy to monetize, right? It's not really a segment where you can get a, a good investment return of your investment, right? You, you, you probably can't even charge that much, but that's where maybe a government or public funds can step in. But in general, I'm really keen to see these types and I would be ready to sort of invest and, and be trying to help these type of products and ideas to, to develop. Tom, you want to add something on this? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking of uh, what would be my answer to this and, and uh, I believe uh, I should say that uh, that's, that's all great and, and, and uh, all, all the NFT stuff and, and everything, but uh, I would I would agree with Eva that uh, uh, 
my understanding is that it needs to bring uh, some added value, some, some benefit for uh, whoever the end user is. The entertainment uh, or, or earning money for, of course, it is a different type of, uh, different type of benefit, but uh, yeah, the solutions should fix something, should, should uh, make something better. And, and uh, I know that in many cases, uh, that's probably not the best business ideas, right? Uh, but uh, yeah, it, it can be sorted out. Yeah, definitely. The technology is emerging and let's hope that we will have several applications which really brings us value. Where do you see this technology, let's say, in five years? Petri, where do you see? How, how is our everyday life with AR, VR in five-year period? I think the, the enterprise side will definitely be a bigger and bigger driver for VR. Um, because Particularly the, VR or so AR? I'll start with VR. Um, okay. Like the things that you mentioned, uh, there's, it's, there's so much evidence as to how VR can help kind of in the design process, for example. Vario in Finland, the headset maker, they have the automotive industry, almost all of them maybe, as their clients. And they used to still make clay models to to this day almost. Mm -hmm. And now they can collaborate with high fidelity, high quality around like someone from Kia being in, in Korea and someone in Frankfurt around the same model in VR. Um, it's, it's clear there's clinical research how you can clear your, um, cure yourself from certain phobias with the help of, of VR, like um, curing yourself from arachnophobia in real life versus with the help of VR or fear of heights. Uh, I myself do that with uh, playing climb in, in VR. Um, so there's, there's an abundance of evidence of, to the benefits of VR. And I think it's just been, uh, and it's still to some extent today, um, an equation of form factor, price, availability of the hardware, mm -hmm. and then the adoption of the, the industry to clearly just see what the benefits are. Because it's still, it's such a, a big thing to actually uh, have, like, see what VR is for yourself. Like, if you, don't ha if you haven't had the chance, and I think there's still some VR headsets, yeah, there it's are. still amazing to, to actually live it. So it's just a question of um, adoption. Um, for, and, and we see kind of a more cl clear, predictable path for VR. For AR, I don't think in five years we're still going to be where everybody's going to walk around with, with AR glasses. The, the technology probably isn't there yet, but the, the phones that we have, everybody in our pockets, that's um, a, a device to already use it for, for everyday life. In, in AR, you have hundreds of millions of people using AR on a daily basis. It's the next generation who use it on the social media platforms and like buy shoes with looking at their, their feet and swiping at different yeah. uh, models. So to them, it's everyday life. So I think the adoption will be even bigger for AR. It's a bit more unpredictable maybe with the, the, uh, the hardware side of it. You have a comment from your side. Where do you see this technology in five years? Yeah, I, I'm optimist, I think. And I think from this European perspective, as I'm in a European government, so yeah. I, I really think that uh, Europe will invest uh, and actually will boost 
and that's that's our opportunity. It's opportunity for all our industries, for you know, our companies to actually come up with ideas, experiment, innovate, research, and um, because I think uh, it's a very it's a very clear that Europe wants to have those capabilities at home, and there will be a lot of investment into that domain. And uh, so I'm I think five years is a solid time to to see developments. Tom, hmm. where do you see this industry in five years? Um, I believe in the next five years it will uh, clear out quite significantly which industries can benefit from it and which not. Because uh, right now everybody is trying to, to do some scene, some cases where probably it's more of a hype than, than actual actual benefit. Uh, I might argue a bit with, with, uh, with Petri that uh, I agree that it won't happen in a way that everyone will walk around with all VR or AR, most, uh, most likely with AR headsets. However, uh, the devices are getting uh, much more uh, improved uh, during the last couple of years. And uh, I know by myself a uh, number of devices which are uh, daily usable already now. It, de it depends, on a, of course, on application. I wouldn't like to walk around with it like 24-7, uh, but, uh, but uh, I clearly can see uh, an existing benefit from already existing devices. Not talking even about uh, what will happen with the hardware within five years, because uh, during the last years there has been some significant improvements, and I know there are companies who are going to come out uh, shortly with some, uh, some interesting things. So five years will clear out some stuff and then I believe the next five will will make the actual actual uh, jump in a, in a industry and in development very well I guess we are ready to engage with audience right right <laughs> uh, are there any questions maybe raised during the discussion there was a question yeah Yes, please. Uh, thank you for the discussion. Uh, Philippe uh, Agar from Nokia. I would like maybe to get the comment on the panel on the 5G uh, connection with, with ARVR. We didn't discuss 5G yet. Okay. Uh, about connectivity. Uh, Tom, maybe that's your field where you can uh, comment. I know that you've been working with 5G and hardware connection. Yeah, I've been... Uh somehow working with it for uh, for the last couple of years and uh, uh, there is a uh, significant uh, place for the for the 5g and for the connectivity uh, specifically for for the uh, applications to become uh, our, a part of our daily life uh, already now i see that uh, if, if we talk about latvia for example uh, the environment is is uh, rather good for uh, for uh, Many applications to be used and, and to run them on a, on a daily basis. Uh, the cloud computing resources are also available. The uh, matter of fact is that the prices and everything, but that's that's a different story. We can put it on the side. But uh, it it is a crucial fact to to have this connectivity because uh, the the more uh, mm, how to call it immersive. Yeah, let's put it this way: the more immersive uh, the application will be. The more uh, uh, the more uh, bandwidth you will use, the more uh, compute power you will use, and uh, those things cannot happen on a on a device, right? So you need to do it somewhere uh, on a, on a cloud. And uh, yes, it's it's uh, highly highly required to have a good 
good connectivity. But uh, I see that uh, we are going the right direction and uh, I don't see it as, a, as an issue even now. And, and uh, knowing that uh, you guys like Nokia, for example, you're doing a lot in that, uh, in that field. Uh, after a couple of years, we will be even further with this. And, and uh, that, that doesn't bother me, to be, to be honest. I see that things are happening there. Yeah, it's a crucial technology to have because the file sizes are getting bigger that you have to move around. You have to need, you need reliability of the network. If you're uh, in a stadium environment um, and you're augmenting something through your phone, for example, so it's a very, very crucial technology. The Immersal, one of the, the companies I was, I was chairing, uh, did a lot of uh, collaboration with the, the, the big operators and uh, basically you need the, the the mech kind of infrastructure to 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 be able to to have that reliability because the the worst mistake that you can do is uh, put a lot of money into into content which then if you bring in forty thousand people into a stadium for example then suddenly it crashes Absolutely. and that's going to be like the cardboard VR like everybody tried cardboard VR and thought that's VR and got them of away from, from VR. That is something you can really notice also out there because by testing out the hardware today there was a quite visible delay because of the network. So it's really crucial yeah, to use these technologies. But it was Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I'm telling that 5G is necessary to, to stream the content which is rich. Yeah, So that's, that's for sure. Any other questions? I think in real life, uh, <laughs> drinking is, is, is the best <laughs> a real water in real life. <laughs> okay. All right. It I seems guess. that we have been very clear. <laughs> Thank you. Mm -hmm.